listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day. We've got a preseason game to recap as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 463. At the top of today's show, we've got the postgame show where I chat with Ike Reese and Ashlyn Sullivan to go through an 18-18 tie in the preseason between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cleveland Browns. If you want to get caught up on those joint practices this week between those two teams, you check the last episode on the feed. Myself and Chris McPherson, we broke it all down, what we saw here from South Philadelphia, and that action continued here tonight from Lincoln Financial Field. Ashlyn, Ike, and I break it all down right here on the postgame show. Let's get to our instant analysis. Welcome into the post-game show presented by Rico, Ashlyn Sullivan, Fran Duffy, Ike Reese here with you breaking down the second week of the preseason against the Cleveland Browns and it ends in a tie, 18-18, but hey, we'll take it. There is a lot to talk about in this preseason game. We didn't see a lot of the starters, but when I was thinking of the headline of this game, it's that you got to see what you wanted from three key guys on defense. Nolan Smith, Nicobe Dean, Christian Ellis all played really well, Ike. Yeah, I think that's really what the preseason is all about, right? It's trying to find out what you have in your young players. The young players are typically going to get most of the playing time out there. And Nicobe Dean, a guy who a lot of Eagles fans are excited about this year, get our chance to see him in his first game action. I thought that first series, he found his way around the football and that's what you want from one of your young players and look this is a guy that has not played a ton in the NFL so not only him making that big play on this on the goal line guys but also coming back remember he had a penalty on the previous snap so being able to bounce back from adversity come back you have that penalty in the red zone some young guys might get down on themselves you know go in the tank a little bit Nicobe comes right back he sees the ball he goes down he gets a forced fumble on the goal line very next snap you love to see that from a young player right and this transition from Kobe Dean wearing the green dot, being the middle linebacker. I can imagine it's a really tough transition, so it makes sense why he probably needed some preseason snaps to get ready for week one. Yeah, I, I definitely believe that was a big part of it. You saw him out there that first series. Let me just say this, Fran. As an old linebacker myself, that should not have been a penalty. I love the play <laughs> that Kobe Dean made there. If the quarterback's going to run, make him feel it. So I like the aggression there. But what you just brought up, Ashland, about Kobe wearing the green dot, he's the quarterback of the defense so getting those game reps in being the leader out there getting everybody lined up making all the calls and the checks it was great for him to get his feet wet in that sense because I'm not sure how much he's going to play next week and you don't want his first game action to be week one up in New England yeah and you mentioned too, Ashlyn that it wasn't just Nicobe, but being able to see the flashes we saw from Nolan Smith a, a couple of rushes mixed in there one led to a sack a couple were just this close to Dorian Thompson Robinson and getting home for a sack so some really good things from Nolan Smith before he left with his injury in the first quarter. That man was playing at 110 <laughs> yes. miles per hour. You could just see how excited he was to be out there. And Christian Ellis is a guy that just keeps showing up. Since OTAs, he's been making plays, and we saw it again today. 
Yeah, and Christian Ellis is going to be a fan favorite. I think he's got a great shot to make this team because he's a smart football player. He plays tough. He plays assignment football, and that's what you really want. And when you look at that linebacking group, he's certainly making the case to potentially be out there as one of those starters. But you got a young player, if nothing else, that's going to be a solid backup and be a core special teams guy. He was a guy last year that I thought flashed on special teams, made plays. So excited to watch him come out there and play, and he's earning the trust of the coaches and his teammates by getting snaps out there on defense. And to piggyback off what Fran said about Nolan Smith, I mean, every time they, they, they had a chance to get after the quarterback, you saw number three yep. somewhere around there in that first quarter. Nolan Smith was going to be a guy that we all are excited about. That's the thing is that last week against the Baltimore Ravens, we were all excited talking about Jalen Carter. Uh, we saw big plays from Sidney Brown. He led the team in tackles. Tyler Steen playing a couple positions up front along the offensive line, and we all kind of forgot about, oh yeah, uh, Nolan Smith. What was he doing? <laughs> he had that one great rush, and he was this close to getting a sack fumble last week. Well, you can kind of tell maybe he felt like, oh, you know, I was a little underappreciated for what I did a year, a week ago. Let's come back and, and come back with a strong performance here in week two. Absolutely. And this week, it was a busy week for the Eagles. Joint practice with the Browns, two of them. And it's kind of hard to pick a, a superstar, an all-star from joint practices. But, but man, Sidney Brown has had a heck of a week. You mentioned leading the team in tackles, nine tackles last week. He calls himself a self-proclaimed missile on the field. He makes me a little nervous, I won't lie, but in a good way. Yeah. This is a guy that's really exciting. Yeah, and, and he's another guy that I think is going to find his way onto the field. I don't know if it's going to be as a starter, but when you play with the type of reckless abandon that he plays with, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in the way that you want your defensive players to play that they don't normally get to play in today's game. He plays with a certain ferocity out there on the field. I love his comments last week that I'm not looking to injure anybody, right? But I want you to feel me when I arrive there. And so to have that type of mentality out there, I think he's going to be a guy that we all love watching play. Didn't have as many flash plays this week as he had last week. But you talk about the young players and how they've shown up. You think about the, the three or four guys we talked about from last week's game. We had a whole new crop of guys to talk about this weekend. I think the future is bright for us when we look at the young players that are being developed. And what I like about Sidney Brown and with Christian Ellis as well, you know, we talk about how they both play so fast. They're always flying to the football. Are they perfect players right now? No. They're going to have their share of mental mistakes, you know, missed tackles, some physical mistakes as well, right? But if they're going to make a mistake, they're going to make a mistake going full speed, 100 miles an hour, uh, and you love to see that from your young guys on defense. And I tell you, people watch those guys play, and they talk about, well, you know, I, I don't he miss tackles. He, he seems like he's playing out of control. Let me tell you, I played for the great Jim Johnson. Jim Johnson would chew you out if you broke down to make a tackle. He didn't want you to stop your feet, run through the player. If everybody is doing their job on the play, you know what's going to happen? As long as Sidney or Christian Ellis takes the right leverage to the ball carrier, and if the pursuit is coming, even if he misses the tackle, the guys running to the football are going to make the tackle. Yeah, last week, very first play, right? Remember they, they threw that little screen pass to the wide receiver, Zay Flowers in the flat, and Christian Ellis comes flying downhill. He misses the tackle, but he came at it outside in, forced the receiver back yeah. inside, and Nicholas Morrow is there to make the play, right? To your point, Ike. And I think sometimes when you play that fast, when, 
or put it the other way, when you break down on a player to try to make a tackle, the offensive players in this league are so great at one-on-one and making you miss tackles. What's the point of breaking down? Again, as long as you have the proper leverage on the ball carrier, your teammates should be coming to the ball as well to make the tackle. You got a better chance of clipping that guy or getting a nice hit on him by not breaking down and just running through him. Again, I can still hear Jim Johnson yelling, don't break down, run through the ball carrier, run through the proper leverage. I love it. And Eagles fans, we know you have a lot of questions. So go ahead in the YouTube comments or wherever you're watching, put the questions in the comments for Ask I presented by Pond Lee Hockey. We will get to them. And I'm sure there's going to be some comments on cornerback Tanner McKee. Another <laughs> great performance. And I go back to what Coach Sirianni said during joint practice, that he really appreciated how he went in to the moment in last week's preseason game. Didn't act like a rookie, act like he had been there before. And we saw that again, just calm, composed, and got the job done. I'm learning about Tanner McKee, and I'm becoming a bigger fan each week. Last week, I thought he did a nice job in his first action out there, put some points on the board last week, and this week, he, he backed that up with another good performance. And the thing, when you watch him play, he seems to be decisive when he wants to go with the football. He's not uh, careless with the football, so you're not seeing turnovers out there. And um, he seems to have a rapport with his receiver. So when you get that from a quarterback this early, you got to feel like you got a lot that you can build on and work with there. His baseline is pretty good right now for a young player. Yeah, I remember watching Nick Foles back in like 2011 at the University of Arizona and seeing a guy who was kind of like body type, prototypical pocket passer, but he was really tough. He had some good touch to him, some deceptive athleticism. He wasn't going to run a win a ton of races, but he had the ability to kind of make a guy miss and just pick up four yards if he needed three, right? And I feel like when you look at Tanner McKee, he checks a lot of those same boxes. You're seeing him really play confident, play fast, play loose, and you're seeing some of the touch throws both from the pocket and on the run that really have allowed him to be a playmaker in this offense. I'm excited to see what he can continue to build on for the rest of the summer. Yeah, it's been two great, great weeks in a row for Tanner McKee, and really – Right now in the preseason, you're really looking at starting jobs up for grabs. And there are a lot of great battles right now. And one that is so interesting that I just I can't seem to figure out, it seems like it changes every week, is this running back rotation. And we see someone like a Trey Sermon who fumbles but bounces back with a touchdown and really helped himself out today. Yeah, you know, and I like Trey Sermon. But you, listen, you got to keep that ball off the ground. you yep. got to keep the ball off the ground. Ball security is job security. But you see that there's potential there. There's a talent there. He obviously has the pedigree. He comes from a great program uh, in the Ohio State Buckeyes. There's talent in there, but you got to put it all together. I thought tonight he showed some flashes. He had a nice run to score for a touchdown there. I think he has a chance to make the team, but it's crowded at that running back position. So you're going to have to do the best you can with the, with the opportunities that you get. And when you get those opportunities, you can't make mistakes there. I thought Trey Sermon had a nice bounce back game tonight. We were just talking about Marcus Mariota and his play during joint practice this week. And of course, struggle tonight in this game. And, and Marcus Mariota, a little inconsistent so far this preseason, but you watch him against the Browns in joint practices. He had some better days. It's clear that he is a running quarterback. He does best with his legs, has trouble at times in the pocket with accuracy, but that's what he talks about with these game reps. He needs them too, Ike. Yeah, and that's why he's out there, to get more comfortable in this offense and what's being asked of the quarterback within the offense. And you're right. I thought his second week um, coming off of the, the, the preseason game last Saturday to this week in joint practices, 
he did have a, a, a much better week of practice going up against the Browns, number one defense. I thought he was decisive at times with the ball. But you're also going to see where Marcus Mariota brings that extra element to the position. When something's not there in the passing game, he can use his legs to extend plays and uh, extend drives by picking up first downs. But when you have opportunities to hit the open guys, he has to be able to do that. He knows that he's a veteran, and I guarantee you he'll continue to work on that aspect of his game because I believe Marcus Mariota will be here as our backup quarterback. But you're trying to get these younger guys developed as well, so you got to be able to be pinpoint with your accuracy to give these guys an opportunity to be evaluated fairly. Yeah, and to your point, you mentioned the joint practice, and that's really the value of having those practices as well, is that, you know, tonight, what do we see? 12, 13 throws from Marcus Mariota. Well, we saw... 50-plus throws from Marcus Mariota over the course of two-day session with the Browns. And so there's a, a bigger sample size at work than just what we saw tonight. But I think at the end of the day, uh, you use those joint practices. You use the, you want to be able to carry that over under the lights for, for game day. But at the end of the day, like you said, Marcus Mariota knows the things that he's got to improve on moving into next week and into the regular season. Right. And even when you look at take the off the on-the-field performance off the table and you just look at his veteran presence in a meeting room. I mean, you played in the NFL. You know how valuable that is when you have different opinions in a quarterback room. We all see the potential of Tanner McKee, but to have now two vets with Jalen Hurts and Marcus Mariota in there, it's only going to help the room, and I'm sure that's why they give him that contract is because he's been there, done that situationally in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I think you bring a vet in because you want somebody that adds a calming presence to that position. So you got a veteran there. And I think uh, Marcus was someone that the organization targeted because he also fits somewhat of the profile and the style of quarterback that we play in this offense. So if something unfortunately were to happen to Jalen where he had to miss a game or two, at least now you don't have to change the entire offense. Marcus Mariota slides right in there and should be able to run this offense efficiently. I think back to 2017, Fran, and you may remember, Nick Foles struggled in training camp that, that summer. It was his first year back here, uh, did not look great in training camp that summer. And we obviously know what happened later in the year when he had to come in and play. I only say that to say, and I think Nick had an elbow issue yes. that summer as well. So I only say that to say what Marcus Mariota looks like right now doesn't necessarily mean that's what he's going to look like in November or December when he's had more time in his offense to get acclimated to everything. Again, hopefully you don't necessarily need him uh, any any crunch situations, but if you get to that point, hopefully he's ready to go. And, and Nick Foles wasn't the only vet that summer that didn't look. Patrick Robinson was, uh, was, right. was, was that not too. great <laughs> that, that summer in training camp, and he was going to be the starting nickel corner or, or starting outside corner until the team traded for Ronald Darby, and they slid him into the slot. But all this to say – that veterans are veterans, right? Yeah. And sometimes also, you also don't know what guys are working through, what they're right. trying out, whether it's practice or preseason games. There's a lot of factors that come into play that us on the outside, we all, all aren't always aware of. And so I think that's something to take into account as well. Yes, we now have our first Ask a Question on social media presented by Pond Lee Hockey. All right, Ike, as a former NFL player, what is a player's mindset this far into training camp? What are you uh, thinking? I think veteran, it depends on where you are in your career. You know, if you're a veteran, you're still trying to work through some things to get yourself ready for the beginning of the season, especially if you're a guy that you know you're probably going to make the team. If you're a young player, you're trying to take it day by day and get better each day. You're working on the smaller things. You almost have to 
block out the big picture and focus in and narrow in on the here and now. So as a younger player, I think their approach is a lot different. They are certainly focused on the here and now. And when you're a veteran, you almost know what you have to do to get yourself ready uh, for the beginning of the season. Football is the only sport where the preseason and the practice, everybody scrutinizes it. Like in, in, in spring training, for example, if a pitcher gives up three home runs in the game, you can easily pass it off as, well, he was trying to work on a new pitch. So the results don't really matter. He may give up a home run, but it doesn't really matter, right? So, but in, in football, we look at what the quarterbacks do in practice all the time, and we almost try to project that's what it's going to be. We got to give these guys a little bit of time to work through some things, work through some rust, and when the season starts, that's when you really got to be able to be critical of them. And when you were a player, like, it wasn't as much of a fishbowl as it is now, right? It's right. Like, social media and, like, uh, one one-on-one rep getting caught on Twitter and it goes right. viral. But, but <laughs> was that in your mind, though, as a player? That, like, hey, you know what, if I, if I am trying something out, the fans in, in Lehigh are going to see it, and now I'm going to hear about it uh, from the media this week. Is that something that was going through your mind? It was not. And, and, and the good thing about training camp back then, we didn't have the social media yeah. aspect. It wasn't as much – video of what we were doing in practice and believe me it was enough pressure trying to keep those coaches <laughs> off your back right. and making mistakes so for, for me it was less to do about outside noise I just didn't want to be the guy that coach was you know pointing out on film <laughs> like what are you doing here Reese what are you doing like so you know it's like getting your playbook as a young player back then you and, and here's the other thing we had more time to practice back right. then yep. so what you did in the morning that may have been bad, you knew you had the afternoon practice to go out there and correct it. That's the other thing with the players. They don't have as much time on the field to get these things right. You get more time in the classroom, but that's why it's more um, Im imperative that when you're out there on the field, you got to take advantage of that time when you're out there. Right, and you mentioned that player mindset and where they are right now, and it's so different for a rookie or a guy fighting to make the roster right. or starting job. I imagine with these vets now that we're past the second preseason game, everyone is looking to that joint practice against the Colts on Tuesday as kind of like the last hurrah before mm. the regular season, right? Yeah, and the players love the joint practices. You know, I played for Big Red. He, he was never big on joint practices. I still don't think Andy does joint practices. Very rarely. Every once in a while, I'll see him, but not often. Right. So, in Atlanta, we did them. And in my rookie year, we did them with uh, Ray Rhodes being here with Buffalo. And in Atlanta, we did it with Tennessee back-to-back -back years. I always enjoy it. Right? Like, it's one thing to go up against your teammate every day. That gets boring after a while. You know, he knows what you're going to do. You know what he's going to do. When you bring a different color helmet in there and somebody to sort of go against, your juices get going. So I think the players actually enjoy the joint practices more than the preseason games. Right? Like, it's the, the controlled environment of a joint practice allows you to get the feel of a game while also not having to worry as much about some younger player out there going 1,000 miles per hour when you're really just trying to get through the preseason game healthy. And not only do the players like it more, but the coaches like it more too. Yeah. Because you look at right at tonight as a perfect example, right? So uh, the Eagles, they have that ability to have that two-minute offense with Tanner McKee. All right, we're going to go out. Well, they didn't succeed, right? They get sacked on third down. Now they have the decision. Do we go for it on fourth and a mile or – do we punt the ball away, play for the tie, and give our defense the chance to have a two-minute drill, right? So uh, you have that ability to – in that situation, you got to play situational football. Mm -hmm. You don't always get that chance in a preseason game. But 
when you go to a joint practice, you could script out, all right, we're going to have 10 third down plays against an opposing team's defense. Half of them are going to be third and one. Half of them are going to be third and long. And now we're going to move on. All right, we got our third down stuff all repped out for this week. We feel good about the starters. We can kind of put that to bed. Yeah, and to Fran's point, those controlled situations, the ones and the twos are going to get a lot of those reps. Right. So, you know, Jalen, uh, he hasn't played in these two games, but he's gotten to do goal line. He's gotten to do two-minute yep. drill. All right, so it's just before midnight now uh, on Thursday night. So the Eagles, uh, again, coming off that 18-18 tie, uh, they've got joint practice on Tuesday against the Indianapolis Colts. There will be a couple of practices here uh, this weekend. So we'll have a couple of practices in between. We will be back here on the feed Tuesday afternoon. We'll probably drop either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Myself, Chris McPherson, breaking down what we see from those joint practice sessions uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, all of them taking place on Tuesday. So uh, we'll be back here later this week on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. Thanks to Ashlyn and Ike and everybody here at Eagles Entertainment. We'll be back next week.